Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Ziggity Zach. How you doing, Adam? Happy New Year. It's uh, the first episode of 2022, despite us recording it in 2021. You know, should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind? <laughs> uh, should old acquaintance be forgot in days of Auld Lang Syne? That means something. That used to mean something in this country. <laughs> I don't know I what. I, I'm very... I assume old means old. Should old mm-hmm. acquaintances be forgotten and never brought to mind? Sure, sure. Uh, I don't know what old Lang Syne means. Old yeah. Lang, Lang song? I don't know. S- Stephen Lang. Stephen... It's really about that, that mutant Lang. Uh, <laughs> you remember how he had a magic necklace? I do. Yeah. We're getting a a little away from ourselves. (laughs) One minute and eight seconds in, and we are already like, hold on, we need to rein this in, because if we start talking about Stephen Lang's magic necklace, we aren't going to have time to talk about Wolverine's wedding. That's right. Uh, So while we're wishing all of you at home a or in your car or wherever you are, a happy 2020 start to 2022 uh we are celebrating some wolverine nuptials this episode and uh some of them are better than others shall we say uh yeah i mean like here's the thing we're we're talking about a couple of one of the stories we're covering is an all-timer the other mm. ones are less than all-timers it <laughs> uh, might be an understatement now we There's already some have timers they're occasional we've... timers yeah 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 so Part-timers, we've perhaps. seen wolverine get married before on a previous episode when he married witchblade still um, i'm gonna give spoilers for the ranking section of this list still the worst time he's gotten married <laughs> i think so i think the so. worst chris claremont penned wolverine wedding oh Is i that forgot one. he wrote that i don't he know did, man. oh bud no that's the worst chris claremont penned wolverine wedding we it will is rough it is we're not yeah. talking about that one go back to Man, what were we even talking about on that episode? I have no idea. <laughs> I think it was this... uh, weird, like, intercompany crossovers or something like that, which makes that sense. Would, that would count. Yeah. Ugh. None of those today. Um, and we're going to start with uh, a Stone Cold classic. Yep. Uh, this classic comes to us from Patreon supporter Ed X. Ed went on over to patreon.com slash comics XF and said, y'all... I like what you guys got cooking over there, and I would I would love to uh, support some of that. And hey, if you could do me a solid and cover this X-Men story that I like, that would be super duper. And that's what we did for Ed over there. And we're covering Uncanny X-Men 172 to 173. It has real titles, but the, the real, real title is uh, the Wolverine Wedding one. Yeah, the first issue is called Scarlet and Glory. I don't remember what 173 is called. I have to look that up. Um, 
But this is coming directly after Wolverine has been missing for several issues because we used to care about continuity uh, when he was off on his first solo adventure in the Wolverine miniseries with Chris Claremont and Frank Miller. Uh, here we have Wolverine uh, re meeting the team in Japan uh, with Chris Claremont writing and Paul Smith uh, on art duties with um, uh, Bob Wyacek inking. Yeah, let's take a second to talk about how great Paul Smith is. Uh, that's going to come up repeatedly because Paul Smith's run on Uncanny is unfortunately quite short. Yeah, uh, him and Claremont did not care for each other, is my understanding. <laughs> who who do you think the ill will was coming from? Both sides? One side? I like to think that Chris Claremont had a very specific way of doing things and wanting mm. things done at this point in his career. And Paul Smith yeah. said, I'm Paul Smith. <laughs> Which is wild because uh, I consider this run to be quintessential. Um, it's probably my favorite uh, run of, of X-Men um, is, is Paul Smith's work on, on the book. It's kind uh, of the best stuff. Like, it's Dark Phoenix Saga is great. Like, the burn run from Proteus through uh, Days of Future Past is all phenomenal. Don't get it wrong. I think there's other eras that are fantastic. The Paul Smith stuff that he does like 10 issues and they all rule is, is the biggest problem is that they're <laughs> all super good. They really are. And, uh, it is, it is absolutely a shame that it did not last longer. Um, these two for me, uh, really are standouts. And, um, I don't know how you encountered these for the first time for me, um it was the from the ashes trade paperback mm -hmm. um, with a great art adams cover and uh you know it, it kind of encapsulates a lot of these issues if not i don't think it has the entire run but um it's it's pretty great and uh we start with the x-men being invited to wolverine's wedding to mariko and uh teased joining him I, in Japan. I say teased but like set up at the end of the uh, Wolverine Volume One miniseries, yes. Which I my my son who's five right now was going through my comics on my shelf, and he was like, "Oh, look at this Wolverine comic! Is this good?" And I was like, "No, man. Uh, the good Wolverine comic is over on this shelf, and that's the one. That's the one that's like that's the good Wolverine comic. It's over there. <laughs> He's too young to know about Frank Miller, and that's fine." Yeah, that that's fair enough. Um, and already in this introduction scene, we're already seeing the power of what Paul Smith is capable of doing with uh, negative space. So on the the second two pages, which you kind of miss out on on the two page layout if you're reading this on Unlimited, but this beautiful uh, setup of Mariko welcoming the X Men and then the next page facing it rogue being in the doorway now mm -hmm. rogue had just been introduced to the x-men uh team to the team yeah to the team not not to the marvel universe but in the previous issue uh and so this is like just a an amazing introduction uh to these these worlds colliding yeah because no one is comfortable with her being on the team really like that's the 
that's the thing. No one's happy about it to the point where their best friend, Carol Danvers, literally said, screw you, I'm going out into space yeah. when <laughs> when uh, she shows up. Wolverine is very hard on her because even though he knows Rogue's a kid, Carol was like his friend on the team. Mm-hmm. Him and her had history. They had a backstory. They had... You know, they had connections before the X-Men. So he doesn't take kindly to the fact that Rogue ruined her life, which she did. (laughs) Yeah. Love Rogue. Absolutely ruined her life. Yeah. So this is a big shift for the team. um, And we don't waste any time getting in on the action because Silver Samurai is uh, peering menacingly from a building uh, across the street. Nightcrawler... Uh, ports logan over to just start flying in yukio gets uh reintroduced here it's very funny that silver samurai is like i am watching them and yukio is in the background like i am watching you actually <laughs> yeah it's it's pretty great um and we also get our first interaction between best buds uh yukio and aurora yeah they're they're storm is fascinated by Yukio's carefreeness and how she presents herself and how wild and beautiful she is. Uh, Aurora's just, she's really interested in <laughs> what what Yukio's whole deal is and wants to know more. Yeah, it's definitely one of those, like, this better not awaken something in me uh, reaction memes. <laughs> I mean, it's just... <laughs> they're they're written as very Claremont women, which is funny because this comes right after Storm and Callisto's big fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and even I would I would not say that the first Storm and Callisto moment is sexually charged. That doesn't super come until they start to fight, quote unquote. But boy, is is Storm just really having an awakening here. Oh, absolutely. I mean, while the story is mainly about uh, Wolverine's wedding and uh, Viper and Silver Samurai trying to sabotage things, um, a, a big chunk of this actually has to do with, with Storm and Yukio kind of teaming up here um, and trying to stop Viper and Silver Samurai. Uh, that's yeah, it's that's like, a it's, bulk of the first issue. It's two parallel events really with storm and yukio's story and rogue and wolverine's story because the whole team gets points well let's set up for folks who don't know or may have forgotten the silver samurai kanichio harada uh he's the half brother to mariko yoshida right yep so he and and he's also super okay with crime (laughs) (laughs) he's like whatever shinjin was doing i'm all right with it we should run the yakuza yeah, that's basically the the conflict, right? Is that Mariko would like to take uh, the the Yoshida family out of organized crime, and Silver Samurai slowly like, Wait and carefully, a and yeah, yes, so, Silver Samurai, who has pretty much just been a henchman to Viper mm-hmm. at this point in continuity, which is a hundred percent true, and that's all he really is. Man, he uh, he's just like okay with doing the crimes here. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, Storm. This is his first appearance in X-Men proper, uh, but I believe Chris Claremont had written literally every other appearance of the man. 
That makes sense. And it's a hell of a first appearance. Oh, no. Steve uh, Gerber. Steve Gerber. Oh, my gosh. Adam, have you ever seen the first Silver Samurai look? No. What does it look? Is it weird? It doesn't look like Silver Samurai. That's weird. Because, I mean, Silver Samurai is silver and a samurai? You know what? You'd think. You would think that that's what he would look like. But no, on Daredevil 111, guest starring Shauna the She-Devil, pencils by Bob Brown. Um, Nope, doesn't look like... Doesn't look like Silver Samurai. Oh, yeah, this is weird. He kind of like looks like he's got a funky gladiator helmet. When Chris Claremont and Sabu Shema get him in Marvel Team Up 57, he does look like Silver Samurai. Oh, thank goodness. Yes, that's a much uh, needed improvement on the on the costume design. Wow, he kind of just looks like a like a weird blue and orange pirate. He looks like he kind of just looks like a weird dude. <laughs> he looks like a daredevil villain is what he looks like <laughs> he really does um so after storm and yukio are successful in sort of blowing up this warehouse uh around viper and and silver samurai um we have the, this basic second issue set up where wolverine is going to go off with rogue and try and you know fix this mess and man like 173 is killer no filler (laughs) it's buddy this one's all rippers no skippers it's so good uh rogue takes multiple bullets for wolverine yeah and not to prove her place on the team or anything like that like just because she is legitimately caring about helping people and very sincere about Hey, my my mom's uh, brought me up in a life of crime, and I'm not sure I want that life. The we were talking about Paul Smith's power earlier, and the the sequential artwork from the previous issue extends into this one. The oh, action yeah. sequences here are just so amazing. There are the one of the things that I think um, doesn't always happen with um, decompressed storytelling even is that you you do sort of lack these moments of actual physical um, sequences that happen from panel to panel where a character might almost feel kind of animated from one position to another. And there's a lack of, um, well, we'll, I want to bring this up later when we talk about the other stories. There's, there's not always a sense of uh, choreography to the way in which bodies move and Paul Smith is doing this better than almost anybody in this issue. You can 100% tell where everybody is at any moment in a room, what's happening, how they're moving in and out of the panel, whatever it may be. And of course, this culminates in one of the best uh, three-page sequences in all of comics, which is... Oh, the, the, the fight? The fight? It, I guess technically it's four pages, but there's three solid pages of just... Wolverine versus Silver Samurai on a red background with horizontal panels. That and it's it's like a fixed camera the whole time. Like it's not swooping around. You yep. just see it's almost like a Street Fighter kind of vibe. Like sure, but it's so good. It this was so hot at the time because Paul Smith does a similar thing with the Storm and Callisto fight just a few issues beforehand, mm-hmm. and Frank Miller does this with the. Uh, Big uh, Wolverine in uh, Shinjin 
or Shinji. Nope, Shinji is from <laughs> Shinjin. Ne- Neon Neon Genesis Evangelion. Yes. I'm thinking of Shinjin. Uh Shinjin Yoshida. Anyway, that whole fight. Right. At least like it's it's all very much like I don't know if this was Claremont scripting saying, "Hey, I want to like I want these just to be action or what." But it's such a it hits harder because Chris Claremont is Chris Claremont and every other page is smothered in dialogue. So when you get these beats that are just him saying, "Focus on this. This fight is important." You sit there and you watch. And because of the technical proficiency of Smith and Wyacek here, oh, it hits hard. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. It it feels like a ballet, the way the characters are moving back and forth. Like, you could, you know, act this out w- with fight choreography and you could actually do it so that it matches it. It's that precise. Um, and what <laughs> props to... Um, to to Glynis in her coloring too because we get the red background but the second the Mariko stops Wolverine from killing Silver Samurai uh, at the end of the sequence the background snaps to white right um it is it, just it works so well it is just masterful comic making and you know we we unfortunately end this issue out of the blue well, wait, wait, before we get to the ending, we also have to talk about the other amazing thing that happens in 173, which is the reveal of Punk Storm. Yeah, uh, after after her really fun adventures with uh, Yukio, Storm decides that she needs change. She gets her 80s punk look, which rules. I have a, I have a Punk Storm, like, statuette bust that nice. sits next to me. Uh, it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mohawk, like the leather jacket, it works so well. It's, I think that it's a look that is so tied to a moment that anytime you bring it back, it doesn't feel, it feels like dress up where this felt contemporary. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's very much of the moment, uh, you know, of the fashion and it ties directly into this budding relationship she's having with Yukio and her new uh, leadership role of the Morlocks. Well, and, and with herself, because this is, this is the point where Claremont is really investigating Storm as a character. She's about to lose her powers here. Right. Like within, within the next 10 issues, mm-hmm. uh, He's putting her through the ringer and setting her up to be, you know, we know Storm is a goddess. What is she as a woman? Right. And that's going to be like the crux of Claremont's entire existence for <laughs> for a spell. Absolutely. That's, it's that's going to be the, the only thing he's interested in, really. Yeah. So we've already talked about the fact that this issue has action. It has character reveals. Um, this issue ends with uh, a very, a very you know, tragic ending with mastermind convincing Mariko not to wed Wolverine. Well, it's, it's tragic. And it's also a big like reveal of, Oh, that that's mastermind. Right. Right. That's mastermind from the dark Phoenix saga. (laughs) Where has he been? What's going on? Um, But I also want to point out that these two issues do have some really funny comedy in them. Um, Oh, it's great. There's a whole bit at the end 
with Madeline and Scott and uh, Kitty hands Madeline Lockheed wrapped up in a little blanket thinking it's a cat or something and is basically like, what did you get me into? And it's really funny. This is after, by the way, Madeline Pryor had spent a lot of time like knowing that Cyclops' dad is banging a skunk alien. Like, <laughs> this is already established. So she's right. like, this is even weirder. All the Maddie stuff is fantastic around this. This is, is her meeting the X-Men for the first time. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's just, this is the stuff that makes you fall in love with X-Men. This is the peak X-Men right here. I love it so much. If y'all haven't had a chance to read the Paul Smith, Chris Claremont stuff, why are you listening to this podcast, really? <laughs> I mean, it, listen, keep listening to this podcast, but then go go pick up. It's like 10 issues that he does, and they're all the best. Yes. Um, actually, the From the Ashes trade paperback just got a new printing. Um, and I'm a little peeved about the cover because they did crop a little bit of the Art Adams uh, artwork, which is fantastic. But that being said... It still uh, maintains the entire contents of the tra- of the uh, of the graphic novel, so it's yeah, it's guys. Fantastic. I don't know, I don't know how to tell you like that from the Ashes collection, which is one of the few like X Men things that's kind of always been in print. Yes, it has so many moments that you just know of. Oh, this is what X Men is, right? This, right. This is Professor Xavier is a jerk. This is sewer fights with the Morlocks. This is Wolverine going to Japan. Like, it's got the stuff you want. Yeah. Um, if you can't tell that we love this, <laughs> it's we good have, actually. It, you, yes, we absolutely love this. So um, I think it's time that we uh, do our best to rank this on our big old list. That's right, because we do have a big old list, Adam. We are on the road, the road to six hundred. Whoa! We have five hundred ninety-one X Men stories that we have ranked on our list from best to worst, with the best story in the world being the House of X Powers of Ten at number one. Uh, the 100th story being Wolverine slash Dupe. Uh, the 200th story being X-Men the manga. And we promise it's the adaptation from the animated series, not literally any <laughs> of the other ones. Uh, number 300 is X-Factor Happenings in Vegas. Number 400 is the Jim Lee Mojo stories from X-Men Volume 2. Number 500 on our list is Star Trek X-Men. Uh, and number 591 is The Draco. Oof. First of all, I didn't realize we were that close to 600. We only got but a couple shows. We're on the road. We're on the road. We're on the road, buddy. It's more of a path. It's more of a, a, a small walk up to the front of the house. <laughs> it's, it's more It's more of a first week in February we'll probably be at 600. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Going to take a swing. Big swing here. I want to hear your big swing. And I want to uh, hear you uh, try and shut it down because I'm rereading these two issues. You are. And I'm thinking about how this is my favorite run of X-Men of all time. You are. From, you know, my favorite collection of X-Men of all time. I'm looking at the sequences of Paul Smith. And I'm just floored by how he nails the character design, how he nails his page layouts. And I think these may be the best two issues of Uncanny X-Men that were ever made. I think at the very least, this is top 10. I could be convinced that these is the best X-Men arc of all time. 
okay, so calm I'm me down. Dis- calm I'm me down. Di- I am. I am. I am. I'm going to disagree <laughs> with you on a couple of things. One, here's the here's the biggest issue with this statement. Okay. Number eight on our list is the Wolverine miniseries by um, Miller and Claremont. Yep. The problem is these two issues are collected in nearly every collection of that miniseries. Yes. As a denouement, which is what they really are. Mm-hmm. And every time you read it through, the problem is that those four issues of Wolverine are so good. And these are also so good, but they do not hit the same level as those four issues. Like I have a direct one for one comparison in my mind. And these two always come off lacking compared to those four in my mind. That is insane. That is not true. I mean, I, I'm not going to say, here, hold on, let me rewind. <laughs> Obviously, that's how you feel when you read them. It um, is. I, you know, I'm a big Frank Miller fan. I love the Wolverine miniseries. What Paul Smith does here is so quintessentially X Men. I think it's better than that mini. I struggle with that. Okay. Here's okay. Here's here's where I okay. I don't see this as a low low story by any means. I want that to be clear. I look at the list and I look at. What's at number 16 and 17, which is Uncanny X-Men 183, the bar issue where Colossus fights Juggernaut in a bar. Yeah. And 17, which is New Mutant Slumber Party. Yep. And I feel like we are around there. No. You think this is You think this is head and shoulders above those two stories. Dude, this is definitely better than Riot and Xavier's at number 11. It is better than The Crucible at number 10, and it is better than E for Extinction at number 9. I will not in any way, shape, or form accept that Grant Morrison's X-Men is better than these two issues. That's insane. No. (laughs) Are you crazy? This is the X-Men. This is what X-Men is. Like, there are other people that come along later and try and adjust based on what X-Men is. But this is what it is. You know what I mean? Like, outside of the big crossover brand name arcs, right? Like, Dark Phoenix Saga. This is it, man. This is what's hard for me about these two stories specifically. Okay. They are not an X-Men team story. It is Wolverine and Storm having parallel adventures. Mm. And that doesn't hit me as well as some of the other stuff. Like, everyone else on the team is literally has drinking knockout tea. That's poison true. Poison knockout tea. That's because true. Because Viper. Did we mention that Viper is helping overthrow this wedding? It doesn't matter. Yes. She's an expert at poisons, which will come up in our next story. <laughs> I also think that Viper and Silver Samurai are not very interesting villains in this. They are, this is what the plot is going on, and luckily we care enough about Wolverine and Mariko and Storm that the fact that the wedding is in jeopardy doesn't matter. But, like, Viper and Silver Samurai are kind of nothing, and that's a challenge for me. Okay. Okay. I would I would say I would I could put this above 
Okay, I'm looking. So I'm I'm looking at what's above what I had said. Dark Angel Saga, yeah, I think this is better than Dark Angel Saga. I think this is better than Messiah Complex, X-Men Worst X-Men Ever, and Generation Next. Mm-hmm. It's better than Riot at Xavier's. 100% better. I like Riot a lot, though. I like. Riot I know you lot. do. I know you I know. do. But but if this is a list of the best X-Men stories of all time, this is I better Riot- than Riot at Xavier's. I think Riot has a lot of very, very interesting things to say about X-Men as a as a concept and as a franchise in that this is just a well-executed story. You say that so flippantly. <laughs> it's a very well-executed story. As if, if Riot... this was not one of the key building blocks in what this franchise was. There is nothing I'm... to criticize if this does not exist. Right? I would... Take these two issues out of of uncanny. I think you take these two issues out, and then oh, you're fine. We're just like, oh, this this is a memorable era. Yeah, I kind of do. If if I'm being if I'm being real real honest with you, Adam, because here's what what these issues do to X Men is it brings Rogue into the team, like it establishes her there. It gives storm a new direction that gets realized otherwise and really doesn't change beyond the aesthetics until uh she gets depowered and it kind of just resets wolverine from where he was right before the mini to where he is again i like these issues a ton i think they're super good (laughs) we're figuring out which of the best stuff is best and where i'm at where i am at yeah i could see a case for it being better than Riot, which I would say Riot also is incredibly well executed from an artistic standpoint. And Frank quietly ain't exactly a slouch. No, uh, let, he also doesn't draw that. the whole thing, does he? He does. Every, uh, there is a prelude issue, uh, 134, which is kind of set up that isn't quietly. Yes. Uh, but the actual Riot at uh, Xavier's proper, which is 135 to 138, is all quietly. Yeah. Uh, it's good. It's not as good as this. Which leaves Crucible. If you want to, you want to keep above E. E is for Extinction. So I, I can, I can understand that E for Extinction is a landmark in yeah, X Men publishing it's history. It's the game changer. Yes, this is better than Crucible. Is it? It is. It one hundred percent is. Is it? I do not understand your reluctance here. Is Crucible uh, real good? Crucible makes me feel a lot of feelings this makes me feel like man i love x-men that's the only feeling i feel that's the best feeling you could get from an x-men comic the crucible hasn't really even been followed up on there's been like i don't care about the follow-up that one issue super good it's, it's an amazing issue it's one of those things that hickman introduced and got followed up on like once like it's not exactly like it's not the five it's not the resurrection protocols it it was it's an amazing issue these two issues are better (laughs) these are way better it's punk storm it's paul smith it's wolverine versus silver samurai in one of the most iconic comic book sequences of all time zach do you see anybody going and and writing articles about the Crucible uh, and yes. and the Lanil U art in that book? Yes, I I in fact have 
No one could shut up about it. I was there. You were there. Listen, man. I'm not saying the Crucible is not good. It's just this. This is better. I'm doing this under duress. You should. It, you should. You should do the right thing here, Zach. This is number ten. It, it'll be. It'll be number ten. I'm doing this under duress, though. If it were this me, it would be higher. I know it would. That's why it's not you. That's why I'm giving <laughs> in here because I don't want to. This is number ten. Do you know how many people are listening right now, like just grumbling at your reaction to this and going, Adam, what Adam, is wrong I, with him? Adam, if I cared about people thinking I have bad comics opinions, I would make way better life choices. Oh, man. All right. Sadly. I am glad that we have collectively recognized how amazing this story is and put it where it needs to be. Was not saying that it was a bad story. Was saying that there were... Maybe three or four other X-Men stories I liked more than it. That's <laughs> what I was saying. It's one right. pretty good. Okay, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because I want us to I want us to think about this in very specific terms. Alright, go for it. And this is this is a this is a wild thing for us to do because I don't think we've ever looked at something from a future standpoint. Yeah, yeah. But like do you think this is it's not on the list, but do you think this is better than the Morlock fight oh, with that Callisto remains, and Storm? That remains to be seen. That's a great question. That's, that's my that's my challenge. Is like, okay, yeah, but this isn't even the best of the Paul Smith stuff. It's listen. That is a fight. That's going to be a fun one when we get to Wolverine wedding versus Callisto versus Storm. That's going to be. It's going to be thing. exactly here, except for I'm going to say that the Callisto fights better. I think that's fair. That's going to be a fun thing to talk about when we actually get it. The thing is, I can, I can, I'm, I am seeing the choreography of the Callisto fight in my head right now. Like I know exactly with the cape yeah. and then flipping around. And then, yep. And then, yep. Yep. We One need page. to talk about another story on this list. Oh, One page. Oh my so God. That was so good. much fun. Let's talk about some bad stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, folks. We got the bad <laughs> comics now. Uh, let's talk about, let's. Let's jump into a what if first. Let's jump into a what if first. Okay. Okay, I like this idea. That's that's better. A little cool down here. A little a little cool down. This is <laughs> this is what if 43 uh from from the second what if volume. Uh mm-hmm. this is from Ron Mars and Scott Clark. Uh it's what if Wolverine had married Mariko? Yeah. Yeah. So um I guess Mastermind doesn't do his little mental hijinks here and uh, they get hitched so what happens well wolverine has to explain to kitty that he's married now so he's not going back to the united states he's going to live in japan with his wife that's right she has some strong feelings about that there is some (laughs) fun hijinks about the wedding which i like in the reception um but what you end up finding is that mariko's quest to get rid of uh, being in charge of the Yakuza, it's not going well. See, Marco understands that if she just pulls out all of Clan, Clan Yoshida from the Yakuza activity, uh, everything's going to go bad. Like, listen, she doesn't love it, but there is a problem if all criminal activity that's being managed just all goes away overnight. Like, that's a power vacuum, and that's not going to end well for anybody. So she's slowly trying to dismantle it, but there's there's one group that's really causing causing prob- 
problems. And there's a mysterious big guy who is uh, in charge of their whole operations. And she just can't pin him down. <laughs> Nobody's willing to uh, to name names except for Silver Samurai, uh, who is willing to, you know, potentially risk his life to betray his new master on, I guess, honor of family, which turns okay, out to be bogus. Okay, but that's 100% a Silver Samurai thing to do. <laughs> like, listen, he's a walking stereotype. Yes. I, I, in 1992, I get the lack of self-awareness to be like, should we... Should we do anything different with Silver Samurai? And the answer is no. He's only <laughs> defined by family honor. Right. Which then turns out to be bogus. Um, and the mysterious leader is... It's the Kingpin. It's Kingpin. It's Kingpin who is... I love I love it that the Kingpin's like, Hey, uh, America's, America's dying and dead. Japan's where it's at. I'm, I'm <laughs> If I want to be in charge of all crime, I got to be in charge of all crime here in Japan. Uh, because that's where things are going, which is a very, it's a very mid to late 80s idea and not as much a 1992 idea that that was still going. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is because that's after uh, some of the really big uh, Japan technology booms with uh, electronics and automobiles and things like that. We're really going from a, you know, if you think of Kingpin as a businessman, Japan was thought of as the next large business hub of the world. And from a technology standpoint, especially compared to the size of their population, Japan is doing a fantastic job. Has a lot of great organizations being run out of there. Anyway, the kingpin says, "I should, I should run the, I should run the yakuza." <laughs> well, this all comes. Well, Sunfire then joins the uh, clan. Uh, Yoshida, Sunfire, very... Marco's cousin. Yes. Uh, so we've got an all-star team here now, and this all comes down to a duel between Wolverine and Kingpin and Kingpin shows up in samurai armor with Ninja Turtle feet, which is really weird. <laughs> listen, listen, it's 1992. It's, it is, it is telling that the pride and honor of who can control Japan comes down to a Canadian and an American fighting <laughs> in traditional Japanese garb. But what happens is interesting in that during the fight, Silver Samurai is revealed to be a traitor, kills right. Mariko, mm-hmm. and Kingpin essentially explains to Wolverine, he's like, yeah, I don't know if I could actually beat you in combat, but I figured that if I won, this happened. If I lost, this would happen. Uh, and I, I worked it out so that I kind of win either way. Rules for me. Yeah. Sucks for you. Sorry. <laughs> well, during this whole inter- inter- uh, interchange, we get Wolverine... Uh, killing silver samurai with his claws in revenge for Mariko. And then as Kingpin drives away, Sunfire blows up his car with flames. Which is great. <laughs> it's just so funny to me. Like, I don't know why, but it's, there's something very comedic about because this. Because they had bone. to wrap it. They had to wrap up a what if story. They're like, Oh dang, we got to We got to make this one go fast. So everyone yeah. else, all the loose ends have to die immediately right here. Yep, and so uh, the story ends with uh, Wolverine coming home to the X-Mansion. Uh, Kitty welcomes him home. He's crying, and uh, th- that's kind of how we wrap it up. But um, this is kind of fun. I mean, the the artwork is not great. There's a couple of like pretty clear Jim Lee swipes throughout. Like, But, but the Wolverine fight panels are kind of fun. Like, they're not the worst thing in the world. 
Listen, it was what if they were getting the bottom of the barrel artist. Yeah, it's it's a little dry. But uh, I don't know. The Kingpin stuff is kind of fun. <laughs> it rules. I love I love a good Kingpin reveal. I love a good, hey, Kingpin's here now and we got to deal with the Kingpin. It makes me happy every time. Yeah. Uh, spoilers for uh, MCU Hawkeye, but uh, I was so excited when Kingpin came back and then I was not super happy with what they did with him. I'm hoping that's uh, not the end of Kingpin in the MCU, but we'll find out, I guess. Okay, so here's the here's the thing. The yeah, thing about Hawkeye. We're gonna go on a Hawkeye diversion. Oh, here we go. Because I have I have become the MCU disliker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, over the last few years, I'm not sure how it happened, but I now I now don't like it. I think is okay. where I've come down to. Yeah. Hawkeye was freaking weird because it was all of the all of the fraction aha stuff mixed with weird super early two thousands brian michael bendis comics yep it's like yeah. y'all know echo right y'all know y'all know ronin we're gonna do all <laughs> these things and i'm like i don't care yeah this is this is not what i'm here for uh it was so weird because they just straight up do they straight up do the david mack echo story with even to the point of her if, if you haven't read that story blinding kingpin mm-hmm. like he's just he becomes blind then and then he has to be a man without fear uh, until, un, until his uh, lieutenants murder him at the start of the Bendis Daredevil run. Which rules, y'all, go read the Bendis Daredevil run, actually. <laughs> if you want good Kingpin, that run kind of is the best. It's the best Daredevil. It is. Yeah. So not to linger, but I agree. I mean, it was it was weird. All these shows seem to be, like, just set up on new costumes. Setting up new characters and new costumes before we get Why to another Why was he weird? Why was he wearing his Spider-Man family business OGN outfit? No idea. It was very strange and out of character and I didn't like it. I think the answer is that Vincent D'Ofrio had that as his screensaver for a while because he thought it was just a cool picture of the Kingpin. He's like, (laughs) can I wear this? And they said, this is a comic book cover. Kingpin (laughs) would do this. Not remembering that most comics are bad and that one is – I only read it once. It was – several years ago it introduces peter parker's secret sister teresa Oof. a lot uh, of people like teresa parker okay. i'm the teresa parker disliker because it makes you have to think about how spider-man's parents were actually super secret spy agents and spider-man was a super special kid and no the only thing that peter parker's parents richard and mary need to be is dead that's correct that's they, correct Sad they but don't true. need to factor into literally anything. It's like, oh, yeah, they died before I was born. You know how many parents die before they're... Parents die sometimes. It's fine. <laughs> Zach, you and I are parents. We should be treading lightly. <laughs> and that's fine. But if my death is only the third most important parental death in my child's life, like... If one of my kids turns out to be Spider-Man and I'm not the Uncle Ben in this scenario, I've done screwed up something in my life. That's That's really what's happened. That's true. All right. So uh, this Kingpin is fun with his Ninja Turtle feet. Um, Way down at 431, we have uh, when Professor – what if Professor X was Juggernaut? Is this better or worse than that? I think this is better than that. I think this might be too. So, Is it better than when – what if Legion killed Magneto at number 77? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. Does that 
that one asks some interesting questions and then yeah. does nothing with it. Yeah. I mean, this is actually a pretty solid story. You know what I mean? Yeah, I it's think as a what if, it's fine. Like, it's kind of like, goofy. Okay. Um, I wouldn't, I mean, I think it's probably better than that, but I, I, um, I wouldn't put it too much higher than that. Like it's not better than 385, which is the Lord Darkwind stuff in Daredevil. No, 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 no. I would go lower. Um, let's see. Um, 391 is Aurora before the storm. How do you feel about it compared to that? Eh, I mean, this, cause I think this is kind of right around there. I, I agree. I think this is probably better than that. Is it better than the first arc of Bun Candy X-Men? Mm, no, I don't think it is. I was thinking about that today. Bun Candy X-Men has that one page where the Dark Riders show up to Zorn's temple and Zorn's like, Hey, you wanna hang out? Oh no, you don't? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna use the the sun in my head and mess with you. You should have just had some tea with me. It would have been fine. <laughs> Terrible art in that one though. Absolutely uh, atrocious. Yeah. All right, so this is our new 391. What if Wolverine married Mariko? Um, and speaking of art, you were you were giving this gentleman some negative reviews earlier in this episode, but we got a Linnell Francis U story here. We do. Um, um, we also have some splat artwork uh, in this arc that we're about to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, Wolverine 125 to 128. U does the bulk of it... Uh, but also involved are Carlos Pacheco, Kerry Nord, Jeff Matsuda, uh, Mel Ruby, Mike Miller, uh, Stephen Platt, and Angel Uzieta. Uh, this is Wolverine Volume Two, one twenty-five to one twenty-eight. And what are what are we calling this? I mean, listen, <laughs> the the first one is called Logan's Run, and I hate it. So I'm just going to call this uh, the time the Wolverine got married to Viper. Yes, that sounds great. Man, this first issue is a freaking mess. This is Chris Claremont at his back, absolute worst, man. <laughs> Chris, Chris Claremont back writing an X-Men thing for the first time since getting, uh, he would say, fired from the X-Men books back in the early 90s. He had come back to Marvel as a vice president of something or other at the time. And his rule, rule was that he didn't want to do X-Men stuff. He didn't want to get in the way with the X-Men stuff. He didn't want to touch X-Men. It wasn't his book anymore. But he was fine touching Wolverine, I guess. Uh, kind of weird that he decides to jump in with a story of, let's say... God. This is explained that Viper has poisoned all of these women connected to Wolverine. Who includes... Chris Claremont immediately mind controls every powerful woman in the marvel universe <laughs> immediately he comes back after years of sitting on the sidelines first thing he does he's like okay shadow cat rogue psylocke yukio jessica drew phoenix tiger tiger you are all going to be uh mind controlled by viper now yeah. into trying to do stuff to wolverine and not only that, but he's basically doing like a quickie career retrospective <laughs> through this issue. Yep. He's like, "All right, let's let's go back to the Phoenix. Let's go back to Wolverine in Australia, uh, getting crucified. Let's let's just let's go do some some more Phoenix stuff. Like it is absolutely bonkers that he is just coming out swinging like this. He's full Claremont from." from jump street it uh, really is 
like just telling of you look at this and you're like oh this is just what he keeps doing from here on out it, it it is weirdly similar to something like uh the chris claremont anniversary special where he's just sort yep. of like which which chris claremont anniversary special because i feel like <laughs> the most recent one <laughs> was the most recent one the box set or was the most recent one the chris claremont anniversary special where if you think about it you're not sure which anniversary it is it's the latter not the <laughs> box yeah 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 chris so claremont's anyway. done a handful of anniversary specials. <laughs> so after 38 pages of intense hallucinations that don't make a lot of sense, uh, Wolverine has it out with Viper. There's this hacking and slashing. And then weirdly on the last page, they hold hands and reveal that they're married. Wolverine is married to Viper. I know that we just talked about Viper being in a very important Wolverine story. And I know Viper has been in multiple Wolverine stories. I still don't think of Viper as a Wolverine villain. Like if I'm just running down Wolverine villains in my head. Not at the top of your list. Not at the top of my list. Really (laughs) not. Chris Claremont disagrees. But as, as the record will show, Chris Claremont and I have disagreed on many things in recent months. Um, yeah, I mean, one thing I really disagree with Chris Claremont on is uh, in the second issue, um, before Wolverine and Viper get married, um, there's a They weird... were married. They don't have a ceremony. It's a whole thing. Don't yeah, get... yeah, yeah. Chris there Claremont are... may not understand the order of operations for marriage, <laughs> but it's fine. I like right. to think at this point they had signed the uh, Bad for Poor uh, marriage license, uh, but they did want to do a formal ceremony for the families. Yes, um, all the more creepy. It was like is, a COVID wedding, really. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, is Kitty Pride um, suggesting that they scandalize everybody by Kitty and Wolverine getting married, which is a very creepy line, Chris Claremont? What the hell are you doing? Wouldn't it be? Wouldn't it be funny just as a joke if we just like made out right now, Wolverine? Ugh. Wouldn't it just be? Wouldn't that just? Everybody would be. They would think that's the wildest thing, right, Wolverine? Uh, yeah, it's weird, Chris. Very what are you weird. doing, buddy? Yeah, he later uh, uses, the, and we'll talk about Sabretooth in a second, but he later voices Sabretooth and explicitly says that Kitty is a minor. And this is just a very creepy thing to do with your uh, beloved character there, buddy. Just, I don't know of anybody who's going to go up to their dad and be like, Dad, we should get married. No, I do. They're all under the age of five. <laughs> It's creepy, especially when Kitty's, you know, dressed in a sort of weird kimono with like a, a huge leg slit that goes up to her hip. It's still which, the 90s, y'all. I mean, it's still the 90s. Also, 1998, Kitty Pride was very explicitly 18, thanks to Warren Ellis. Screw it up. Yep. 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 Uh, Sabretooth shows up to uh, screw up this wedding. He has adamantium now. Which is, I actually think is interesting because at the time wolverine doesn't have his adamantium he's still bone claw boy bone claws uh, which you can tell because his lettering is annoying and i do think it's interesting first to be like hey i'm Sabretooth. not only am i better wolverine but also i have adamantium now and you know and you can't break my bones to do anything <laughs> i like it in concept it it's claremont's idea was that Sabretooth should be stronger than wolverine Like, if Wolverine's going to defeat Sabretooth, it has to mean something. There have to be stakes involved. I get it. It's good instincts, honestly, as a storyteller. It amounts to nothing here, though. Sabretooth does not become any different. No. He does shout, I'm the king of the world, like he's in Titanic, which is kind of fun. 
<laughs> it's kind of fun, except for this is... When did Titanic come out? Was it 97 or 98? I want to say 97? 1997. Okay. So, yes. This was a Titanic reference then. Yes. 100%. This was... It came out December of 97. This comic came out uh, in April. So that's literally literally just enough time for Chris Claremont to be like, no, I'm working, I'm the king of the world into uh, into my comic, but Sabretooth saying it, which is a choice. <laughs> uh, also- Chris Claremont's always pulled from pop culture. This was a weird... <laughs> weird pairing of pop culture things it's, it's a very from. strange choice uh also a strange choice is spending a full issue of wolverine now fighting the hand uh and hydra and pretending to be different avengers i guess he pretends okay so what what the hulk or the human torch it's really dumb what happens is wolverine and Sabretooth fight Sabretooth's the king of the world he wins and Kitty Pride's there. Anyway, they all get knocked out and captured by the hand led by Matsuo Suryaba and Hydra led by Madame Viper. Uh, because there is a big ploy to see who will become the new leaders of Madripoor. Uh, Madame Viper's marriage to Wolverine uh, was essentially set up so that she could be head of Madripoor. And then she has a really strong husband slash lieutenant if anyone wants to screw with them. That's the plan. And it was apparently a plan that worked out by uh, Seraph and Viper back in the before times of Madripoor. Who cares about Madripoor history? Does anyone <laughs> care about Seraph? Do they? No. Please continue. So they all get knocked out. And this one Hydra guy, he's my favorite. Yes, he's a Nazi. He's my favorite character in this whole thing. Because over a two-page spread with Matsuo's Uriyama, he is saying, why don't we just kill them? Yeah. All of them. They're right here. They're dead. They'll find. He even says, like, if we don't do it, they'll find a way that this is going to go bad on us. Can we kill them? And Matsuo Suryaba is like, no, we must something, something honor. I can I can body, mind, possess, swap them and use them as weapons. And the other guy's like, that historically has not gone well for you, Matsuo Suryaba. Yeah. Uh, Why? So, so we do get these weird, like, I don't know if they're hallucinations or what. Uh, Kitty becomes kind of like a Lady Deathstrike. Um, she, yeah, she becomes a Lady lady Mandarin thing. A sexy right. assassin lady. Claremont loves making Kitty Pride a sexy assassin evil lady. Yeah, it's creepy. Um, Wolverine flashes back to giant size X-Men and defeats all the X-Men, which is another Claremont thing. Like, that he always had this plan for how he could kill everybody, I guess. And they all wake up, and they've killed all the the hand ninjas, and now they're, like, I guess, cool and super powerful? I don't know. They're like, that was a freebie. Also, we're still married, Viper. Yep. Um, Viper's gonna take over Madripoor. None of this matters because Chris Claremont does not continue riding Wolverine. It also doesn't make a lot of sense, I mean, from the hallucination first issue to the hallucination fourth issue, this is a whole lot of mess with, like, individual issues that have six pencilers on them. Even the splat issue is two two different pencilers, and none of it looks stylistically similar whatsoever. I mean, it is just bad. Yeah, because it gets weird. Freaking, there's a filler arc that comes after this. And then you get Eric Larson writing the book for a hot minute, which is, I don't want to call it good. Just bonkers. It's interesting. Just bonkers. It's weird. 
the the Eric Larson stuff is weird because you get Eric Larson and then it's the Rob. Wait, is mm-hmm. it the Rob? Yeah. Then it's the Rob, and then it gets to uh, some worse stuff that yeah. we don't. We I guess we have to get into it on this show eventually. Then it get then it gets into the Frank Thierry stuff, which is uh, actually the the word. Oh no, there's the Steve Sirocchi does. And our, Wolverine was a book that was floundering for a while, folks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, so I think it's pretty obvious this is worse than that what if story we just talked about. It is. This is a weird one that I think people should read. It feels like Wolverine getting married should be more important than it is, but it's not. No, it's it's not at all. Um, I think this is worse than down at four forty five X Men Volume Two One Hundred Nine. Uh, which is another Chris Claremont joint, the Christmas issue. Yeah, this is worse than that. Uh, it's worse than the X-Men issues of Age of Apocalypse. Absolutely. Better, I think this is probably worse than the, what do you think? Better or worse than Mechanics at 473. Mechanics is probably better than this, yep, yeah. Yep, yep, Okay, this is not as good as issues 1 and 2 and 103 down at 481. Yeah, no. Uh, this is better or worse than Poptopia. At four ninety three. Ooh, that's an interesting comparison. Um, I think. Wow, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I think Poptopia might be better than this. What do you think? I don't know. I agree. Uh, five hundred five is Iceman Volume One. That's better than this. Yeah, I agree. How do you feel about this compared to Sabretooth and Mystique? I think Sabretooth and Mystique was better. How do you think about this compared to the Wolverine Origins story with Romulus? That's better, right? That is better than this. That, that is, is better that is than this. Crazy thing to say. We just keep working our way down. Um, How do you feel about it compared to Origins? Origins is better than this. Oh my gosh. It Isn't really it? Is. It is, too. How do you feel about it compared to at 542, Extreme X-Men 5 through 9? That's that Gambit Red Lotus story. Hmm. I think that... We're definitely in the same place, right? Like, this is... We're right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then I'm looking down... I mean, yeah. Is this better than Phoenix Warsong or Endsong? Yeah, those stories suck. Yeah, they do, right? Okay, so... Here's what I'll say. This is not as good as Onslaught, better than X-Women at 538. uh, Making the new 539. I I think that's a great spot for it. And X Women is a technically proficient comic. It's just what they are technically doing. I hate. <laughs> that was a very polite way of describing it. We did a whole episode about it. We don't have to get nope, into it more. Nope. Nope. We're done though. That was a fun episode. That was fun, man. That was a lot of whiplash going from something so good to something so bad with the same writer. I don't know what to do. It's Papa Chris, bud. Man. You know, you know, you know, and I know, and we know, and we all know. It's Papa Chris. It's just who he is. That's right. I'd like to thank edX uh, for supporting us on Patreon and making this episode possible. If you want to be like Ed, you can go over to patreon.com slash comicsxf. Support some high-quality comic book journalism and other, I don't know, culture, critique. It's Find a word that works for you and support that. we got a lot of really good stuff going on there. Uh, 2022 looks like a banger year for the site, so keep the... Keep that support just flowing on in uh, for us. That would be super duper. Adam, what do you got going on? Uh, folks, you can always uh, follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. Um, for the website, I just want to plug the newsletter. Um, a lot of fun stuff going on in there. Zach just did a, a really nice year-end piece 
um, summing up the first year of Comics XF. That was fantastic. Nice job, Zach. And uh, if you're not subscribing, check it out. It's free. Just pops in your email, and uh, there's some extra fun bonus content that that we deliver there. That's that's really great. You should check that out. Follow the site on Twitter at Comics XF. Uh, follow it on Instagram Ooh. if you want. I'm trying to use Instagram more Ooh. because it keeps me off of it. Okay. The problem with Instagram is links are a pain in the butt. It's like, come on, y'all, just let us put in links. Just let us. It's a visual medium, you know. Let us do it's links with tricky. the pictures. It's fine. I'll do pictures. <laughs> I can. I got that high quality picture content. Uh, but do you know uh, who else has high quality picture content? Hmm. Who? That'd be uh, X Men Group Editor uh, Jordan D White friend of the show is going to be coming back on next week uh to talk about the destiny of x the reign of 10 everything that's been going on the last little bit what might be coming down in the future but until then folks this has been battle the atom we hope you survived the experience get it